He said, I'm going to keep praying for you. He said, I'm going to stay alive for I live. I'm the one that was, that is, that is to come. And I live forevermore. And I ever live, Hebrews 7, to make intercession for you. Listen to what it says in another translation. He said he will always be there to remind God that he has paid the debts for our sins with his blood. Every time the enemy rises up, he says, Dad, it's under the blood. Every time the enemy lies, he says, Dad, under the blood. You say, Pastor, you just don't understand. Even when he brings up your name, if you're trusted in Christ, Jesus says it's under the blood. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, open them to uh, John. It's all in your notes, but if you want to put your finger there and actually turn through your Bible, you can go to Romans 5 after that, and then all the way to the back of the book to 1 John. Every day, you and I go to the mailbox, at least my wife and I do. If we don't go to the mailbox every day, our mailbox kind of overflows. And we, we go to the mailbox, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we, we get information about things. We, we have upcoming events that come to us. We get lots of church mail. We get lots of personal mail. We get lots of, of a, a different correspondence opportunities to be involved in. Yet at different times, the mail is filled with reminders. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the reminders that I've heard from people over the years is the reminders of bills being late. Reminders of family members that are no longer with them. Reminders of situations that they wish they just would have and could have and ultimately should have changed, but didn't. A lot of us go to the particular mailboxes and we open the doors or the lids or whatever they would be and looking for great anticipation, but we find at times disappointment. How many ever went to the mailbox and and found the reminder of something you bought that you wish you hadn't bought? And now you've got to pay for it. Okay, honest hands are going up. Yeah, yeah. The world 
as we have spoken of this morning, is full of disappointment, hurt, resentment. Debts of a host of varieties are piling up and many uncollectible by collectors, but even more so non-payable by debtors. But I want to look this morning for a few moments at a letter that each one of us have received. And when we open up this letter across every page, it says debt canceled, paid in full. No more remorse, no more pain, no more sorrow. Oh, yes, you will have it in this world. But the reality is the pain, the sorrow dissipates when we understand that Jesus paid the price, that though I might not have the life that I'm hoping for right this moment, in eternity I will have. But this morning, for a few moments, I want to tell you, you can have that life right here on earth, too. John chapter 3, we know the verses very well. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whoever, look at somebody and say, that's me. I am whoever. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But this is the part that I want you to see. Oh, yes, so wonderful is that first verse, that 16th verse. But the 17th verse is the verse that we live under the condemnation of. Because look what it says. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. But yet, how many feel condemned? How many times feel like you're just not measuring up? He said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through me, Jesus said, might be saved. You say, Pastor, I'm just not, I just don't know. I I just got such an ugly past. I just got such an ugly, and then fill in the blank however you want to. But I want you to look at this next verse in Romans 5. Look what he says. While you were still ugly. Now, folks, I'm not talking about the mirror. Can't do anything about that. I get up in the morning and get fixed up and prettied up as best I can. I look in the mirror and I say, it's as good as it gets. (laughs) Patrick, is this your verse? While you were still a sinner? Vince? Tom, is this? Sweetie, is this your? Don? While I still had a bad case of the uglies, he died. First John says, and this is how he showed his love. He sent his son of the world that we might live through him. He didn't say in the sweets by and by, When we die, he said, right here on the ground while we're walking around, we can live in Christ. For this is love, not that we loved God, but that God first loved us. 
Folks, I don't know if that's something like that song that we sang, It Is Well. You know, I don't care what I'm going through. It is well because he first loved me. Can somebody say amen in this place? You see, you and I have received a great pardon. I don't know if you've ever been a fond, uh, a fan of, of animal trainers and, and uh, those animal shows and stuff like that. But I, I, did, I had a book years ago. It was called A View from the Zoo. And it was a great book. I love animals. I love enjoying wildlife. And I read this book, and one of the comments that was in this book about animal training is it said that they won more confidence with the animals by loving them than beating them. Oh, we see that whip, and we see the chair, and we see all, but that basically is just to let them know, hey, folks, I'm in charge. But those animals love the trainers, and the trainers love their animals. Can I tell you something? I don't think most of us really understand what it means to be a sinner. Oh, we talk about it in church, but I don't know about you. How many of you look in the mirror and says, yeah, you're a sinner? Do we really know what it means? Theologically, doctrinally, biblically, yeah. All we know is that life isn't fair and then we die. I got some good news. We've been pardoned. We got a letter sent air mail from heaven. <laughs> Art says you're not guilty anymore. Jesus took the guilt for you. Melissa, it says your past is past. I've got a glorious future for you. See, that's, what this, this is, that's what this letter says. Reuben, does your letter say the same thing? I got a pardon. Wiped clean. There was a mother that came to the emperor Napoleon asking for a pardon for her son. The emperor said, there's no way, ma'am. It's this boy's second offense, and justice demands death. But listen to the woman's response. She said, emperor, I'm not asking for justice. I'm pleading for mercy. Look at me for a second. Justice just requires hell for you and I. Why? Because we have sinned. The simple word for sin is rebelled against God. You say, well, pastor, I didn't rebel against God. The Bible says because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, because of one man's sin, all have become sinners. But because of one man's righteousness, because of one man's grace, because of one man's mercy, She said, I don't ask for justice. I know justice demands death. I'm pleading for mercy. And listen to what the emperor said. He doesn't deserve mercy. And she said these words. And listen to this, church. Please listen to this. The mom said, 
if it was deserved, it wouldn't be mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't deserve the pardon that God's given us. That's why it's called mercy. We don't deserve our debts canceled. We don't deserve to have all of our sins bought and paid for. The emperor responded. The woman said, I understand. And because you've asked for mercy, I will show mercy. And her son was saved. Why do we think that if a, bad, if a good person goes through bad things, it's just not fair? Why do we think that? Because that's what our finite minds, that's what the concept that we have in our minds can convey. We have this idea, well, if it's a good person, they're going through something. It's just not fair. Ladies and gentlemen, when you look past, past the temporal and into the eternal, what does the good person deserve? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So is it really that this good person had a bad deal? Or it's just bad stuff happens to everyone? In my Bible, it says the sun shines on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you understand this, but someone rushed in on our behalf and we too obtained mercy just like this young man. In Romans chapter, Revelation chapter 12, it says, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. And the accuser of the brethren who condemns us every single day and night has been cast down. I got one amen out of that. I said the accuser of their brethren, who has been condemning you, Kathy, and you, Jimmy, and you, Ken, and you, Larry, day and night. He said, I cast them down. He said, I'm not listening to them. I think this side's getting it. Over here, we're not quite. He said... The accuser who's been lying, who's been fibbing, who's been stretching the truth a long time. He said, I cast him down. I'm not listening anymore. Before this service is over, Andrew, we're going to get it. And you know what he said? He said from that point on, Wanda, listen to me. From that point on, listen. He said, I'm going to keep praying for you. He said, I'm going to stay alive for I live. I'm the one that was, that is, that is to come. And I live forevermore. And I ever live, Hebrews 7, to make intercession for you. Listen to what it says in another translation. He said, he will always be there to remind God that he has paid the debts for our sins with his blood. Every time the enemy rises up, he says, Dad, it's under the blood. Every time the enemy lies, he says, Dad, under the blood. You say, Pastor, you just don't understand. Even when he brings up your name, if you're trusted in Christ, 
Jesus says it's under the blood. All the debts have been canceled. Let me read to you out of Alan Redpath's book, Blessings Out of Buffetings, tremendous writing out of 2 Corinthians. It says, If in the course of our Christian life Satan trips us up, causing us to fall and to be ashamed, what must we do? How many have ever had that happen? I love the way Redpath puts it. He puts it very simply. He said, at that moment, say that with me, at that moment, in the presence of God, judge it as sin. In other words, don't sit back and try to excuse it. Don't try to rationalize it and justify it and and say, well, you know, it was just one of those weak moments. I don't know about you folks, but I am ugly and weak. Don't say amen on the ugly part, though. He said, judge it as sin. Do not ally yourself with it, but judge it. Condemn it and look into God's face and trust him for mercy. Forgiveness, cleansing, pardon, restoration, and power to overcome. Listen, he said, if you refuse to do that and continue to allow yourself to be the victim of old habits and sinfulness, you'll face a dreadful day when you meet God. J.C. Ryle said, without justification, it's impossible to have peace. Without understanding that he paid the price and that we are unconditionally pardoned, our conscience forbids us to have peace. Why? Because sin is a mountain between man and God and it has to be taken away. And the sense of guilt lies heavy on the heart and has to be removed. Unpardoned sin will murder peace. Look at me. Because you have no peace in your life, the first thing you have to do is ask yourself, why? Why do I have this struggle? Why do I have this discontent? I promise you the Holy Spirit will show you. And I guarantee it's because of unforgiven sin. You're holding ought, you're holding bitterness, you're holding resentment. You got some kind of situation in your life that the devil has kept you prisoner of. Listen to me. When you, when you forgive, you set a prisoner free only to find out the prisoner was you. The true Christian knows without forgiveness they can't have peace because peace arises from the consciousness that as he forgave my sins, I forgive others as well. Let's go to the root of this problem. Some of us, for some reason, think God is mad at us. Some of us, for some reason, allow the enemy to convince us that we've done too bad. Can I take you to the 130th Psalm? Look what it says. It says, if God should look at my iniquities, if God should mark my iniquities against me, who could stand? In other words, if I really was to get what I really deserved, could I stand? So many in this world think for some reason that God is mad at us. But can I tell you something? God's not mad. He's not mad at you. God's not mad at me. You know what God's mad at? God's mad at sin. 
God's mad at the destruction that sin has brought against mankind. When Jesus stood before Lazarus, when Jesus stood overlooking Jerusalem, when Jesus stood there at that moment and he was beginning to come to the place of raising Lazarus from the dead, the smallest verse in the Bible has two words. It says, Jesus wept. Do you know why Jesus wept? He didn't intend for you to go through what you're going through. It wasn't his plan for you to suffer. It wasn't his plan for you to eventually die. It wasn't the, the, the hurt, the pain, the sorrow was not in God's plan. It was because man rebelled. It's because man sinned. Well, forgive me if I'm getting a little passionate, folks. But the reality is Jesus wept because he saw the destruction in your life and mine. He saw the hurt. He saw the pain. He saw the fact that we're trying to measure up. When Jesus says the path to salvation is not a step up, it's a step down. He said, if you'll be humble before me, I'll exalt you before all. The Bible The Bible teaches us that Jesus felt the pain of Lazarus' death. He loves all of mankind. The 103rd Psalm shows us how much he loves us. Look what it says. He hasn't dealt with you according to your sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. You know what the Bible's saying? God's not interested in giving us what we deserve. He said, I sent you a love letter, paid in full. He said, I I don't want you to die without me. God's not interested in casting us out. He sent his son to make a way. Isaiah 43 says, I, even I, am he, listen, who blots out your transgressions. Take that in your notes and scratch the word your and put the word my. Make it personal. He blots out my transgressions. But then underline this next word, for his name's sake. God didn't create us to throw us away. He created us to love us. And then look what he says. And I won't remember him anymore. Does that stir anything in you? I won't remember him anymore. Back in the 103rd Psalm, it says that God cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. Another place says he cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. And then he puts out a no fishing sign. You know that whole victim thing I was talking about a little while ago? Well, you don't understand what I've been through. Don't give a flip. Can I say that in church? Pray for me. What do you mean? You don't care? Sure I do. But I don't care about the whining, the crying, the victim. 
If you don't come back next week, I love you anyway. I don't find a victim in my Bible. I find a victor in Jesus Christ. That's what I find. What are you? During the American Revolution, there was a pastor by the name of Peter Miller. And he had a great relationship with General George Washington. In the same city that Pastor Miller was ministering was a man named Michael Whitman. An evil, reproachable reprobate of a man who did everything he could do to destroy the minister and oppose him. Well, the same man, Whitman, was involved in treason, was arrested and sentenced to death. The preacher walked 70 miles to Philadelphia to plead for the man's life. General Washington said, No, Peter, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. To which the Baptist minister replied, My friend, he is the bitterest enemy I have. President Washington said, you walked 70 miles for the life of an enemy? Ladies and gentlemen, most of us won't go across the pew for an enemy. President Washington said, that puts the whole thing in a different light. I will grant his pardon. You know what God says when you will do for your enemy what they won't do for you? He'll give great victory to your life. When you will forgive, can I tell you the greatest thing that you have as a Christian, the greatest gift is you can do something the sinner can't give, can't do. You can forgive and let it go. You can if you will. You don't understand what they don't care. Well, you know, they, they owe me. What was those scriptures he's not given us according to our, I think we have a little bit of a debt too that we potentially owe. And you know what happens if we don't accept the paid in full declaration? Then we owe it. We'll say, Pastor, I accept it. If you don't forgive, it's not accepted. If we don't do as he has done, Romans 4 says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Isaiah 53 said, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. To who? To bruise who? Jesus. He has put him to grief. When you made his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Listen, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many and bear their iniquities. And because he poured out his life, because he bore the sins of many, he now makes intercession for them. As I wrap this up this morning, you see, God's not mad at anybody. God made a way where there was none. He paid a debt he didn't owe, and I owed a debt 
I could not pay. The Bible tells us about Abraham. Kind of the greatest picture of our heavenly father and how God made a way. In Genesis 22, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. It's on the screen. But in Genesis 22, the Bible says that God told Abraham to take his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice. And his son and Abraham climbed the mountain. And the boy said, Father, I, I see the altar. I see the fire, wood, the wood for the fire. I see the knife, but where is the sacrifice? And listen to what Abraham said. God will provide. He grabbed the boy. Listen to this picture. Because Isaac knew his father, and Abraham knew his father, the son trusted the dad. He grabbed the boy, who was a teenager at the time. I don't know about you. If my dad, when I'm a teenager, tells me, I'm going to throw you on an altar, light it on fire, you're going to become a crispy critter, I'm not playing. But he grabbed the boy, put him on the altar, raised the knife. You talk about somebody that knew their God. He said, God, I don't understand how, but I know you didn't give to take away. You will provide. He raised the knife, began to bring it down, and the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, don't do the boy any harm. And in the thicket, there was a ram caught. Out in the middle of nowhere, where did that little old goat come from? There was a ram. There was a sheep. There was a sacrifice. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. You and I deserve to be placed on that altar. You and I deserve. But God said, I'm going to pay the debt for you. I'm going to take care of it. Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord laid the iniquity of us upon him. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses, not requiring their sins of them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He said, now I'm going to make you my ambassadors. I've forgiven you, I have set you free, and I've given you the love letter. The debt is canceled. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. 1 Peter 3 says, For Christ also suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring you and I to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Hear what I say this morning. And these next five minutes of this sermon, I want you to grab a hold of, because this is what many of our lives are being propagated from. Many are carrying huge debts. Not necessarily material ones, but verbal ones. When many of us were growing up, our parents, unbeknowing, put debts on our lives. They hung labels, criticisms that you and I now live with. And some of us, they're so stuck to us, they're closer than super glue. 
Let me give you a picture. A dad introduces his kids. Oh, this is Pete. He's the clumsy one. This is Kathy. She got mud all over her shoes. Man, she is sloppy. Oh, this is little Mikey. He's always last. I swear he'll be late to his own funeral. How many have heard those kind of declarations over your life? What has happened? That parent has glued to their children their faults, and they never outlive them because the parent never lets them. People do this to us just like parents do. They remind us of our failures. You've been reminded of a few? They remind us of our errors. Wouldn't it be nice if people just be positive? It's amazing when some of your positive friends only have negative things. Might be time to look for some new friends. They do it all the time. They remind us of our sins, and they won't let us live them down. They're stuck to us like super glue. I don't care what your brother has done. I don't care what your sister has done. I don't care what your mom has done. I don't care what your dad has done. I don't care what grandma and grandpa, son and daughter, boss, co-worker. You have something they don't have. And it's called Jesus Christ living in you. You have the ability to forgive. They don't. They don't. Oh, yeah, they can let. No, no. When you forgive, you let go. That's what Christians do. You say, well, how do I know I let go? The minute you walk into their presence and it doesn't turn you off. I got folks, I know it's hard to believe, but I got folks that don't like me. You're shocked, I know. But I might walk into his presence and he go walk the other way. But I go chase him down. I'm not a good guy not to like. Because I go chase you down until you like me again. I will. Why? Because I have the power. Oh, not some power in Tim, but power in Christ. I can do that. You know why? I can forgive. I can let go. And I can let God. Well, what if they never repay? What if they don't? I loaned somebody $40,000. How many years ago, dear? And it just got paid off. It was supposed to be for six months. Ten years later, it got paid off. Only because I discounted what they owed. I don't know how much we've loaned our kids. But what do you do? You let it go. Well, they got to, they should pay. It's the right thing to do. Going to hell is the right thing for you and me too. But aren't you glad that somebody else took those rights and nailed them to a tree? You're living with junk on you. We've all heard about the prayer of Jabez. Maybe you've never read it, but it's in 1 Chronicles 4, 
Jabez means the son of my pain. Could you imagine your entire life living with the name you are a pain? Jabez said, God, I'm not liking that name. Jabez said, it just doesn't have that edge that I need. I don't feel a cut above. But he went to God. You know why? He knew God could change his life. He couldn't do anything about his past. But he said, bless God, I ain't going to live with this in my future. He said, I might have been conceived in pain, but I'll be delivered in victory. Can I tell you again, I don't think you're getting it. Jabez said, I might have been conceived in pain, but I'm going to be delivered in victory. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. You may have lived a life of pain, but the victory of the blood of Jesus is here to set you free. He said, I got the victory. I've given it. I've bought it. I've paid it in full. Will you take it? Desperately, people needed to be free from their past. A chance to begin again. My Christian brothers and sisters, you hold the key to many of them. Let them go. Let them go. Let them see Christ in you. We'll never be able to get over our past unless we let them get past their past. Hebrews 8 says, I'll be merciful and I'll remember their sins no more. This is our God. Canceling debts. And today, he wants to loosen chains of bondage that we've allowed to be put on our lives because we won't let go. Listen to me, folks. They can't put bondage on you. You put it on yourself. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus came to open hurt and pain-filled eyes. Jesus continues to mend the broken heart. In Luke, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's appointed me to preach the good news. To heal the brokenhearted. To set the captive free. The blind will be able to see the downtrodden freed from their oppressors. And God is ready to give blessings to all who will come to Him. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.